Oh, nuts. Yeah, I'm ashamed and embarrassed that I just made a bet in favor of Jason Vargas. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 7 of the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of May 15th, 2017. Here in the front office with me are Keith and Phil. Todd is out on the 10-day DL this week, retroactive to last week, so he'll be back with us on the next show. Guys, there was no major news this week, so we're going to jump into a little bit of Hold'em or Fold'em. Ah, a lot of guys that are kind of underperforming here. So let's jump to the first name. Nomar Mazzara. Are you going to hold him or fold him? Nomar Mazzara, I'm just going to fold. He doesn't hit lefties at all. He hits in a great park, but he only hits righties. Basically, he's a platoon hitter to me at this point. I'm going to dump it. Yeah, he's got a ton of upside. He's a, a, a top-level prospect that came in last year and did really well in the beginning. It seems like his last probably 100 games, he struggled. Phil, you mentioned the lefties. You know, there's been some some pretty insane stats out there that have been shared about his inability to hit lefties. I think it's going to start to keep him out of that lineup. If you look at the last 10 games, he's been sad a few times. I agree. I'm probably going to fold, not meaning that I'm going to drop him, but uh, I'm not looking to buy low on, on Mazzara at this point. Yeah, he's definitely a player that I'd be dangling out there for a trade, see what I could get. All right, next player, Trevor Story. Hold him or fold him? Now, I've gotten a few questions on Story recently, and, and I could understand why Story owners are frustrated with him. Obviously, on the DL, he's had a rough season already, but I think he's going to snap out of it. Uh, I know he strikes out a bunch, but he's a streaky hitter like a lot of these guys. He's got six home runs on the season and is 111 at-bats. You know, he could easily lead the the position in home runs from this point on. So I think he's somebody that you want to try and stick with. He was probably a top eight, nine shortstop up until when he got injured last year, maybe even a top two or three because he was off to such a hot start. So I'm going to try and keep Trevor Story if I can. But, you know, with all the injured players, I guess I understand if somebody absolutely has to drop him. <sighs> It would be really hard for me to drop Trevor Story. I would I would hold on to him. His BABIP is at, at home in cores where your BABIP should be insanely high. It is insanely low. I mean, he's below 200. I think it was like around 180 last time I checked. And as you were saying, he could easily lead the position in home runs because he can get on a hot streak just like he did at the beginning of the year last year. I think I would definitely even try to buy low. Uh, maybe once he gets a little bit closer to when, yeah, he's, I agree. Coming, when he's coming back. I, I've considered that exact thing. So I've you know, in a couple of leagues, I've I own him in one league, and obviously I'm frustrated. But in the other leagues, I've considered shopping shopping for him and seeing what I could get. So yeah, he's definitely a candidate for second or third shortstop on your squad. He wouldn't be my number one at this point, but yeah, I would stash him on the bench. That 38% K rate really does a number on that batting average. So ugh. he he's borderline for me, but I'd hold him at this point. All right, next up, Todd Frazier. We've discussed him on the show before, and I believe in this segment even. Are we going to hold him or fold him? 
He's been up and down this year. It seems like he was sick, uh, had the flu real bad. I don't think we've really seen the best from him yet this year, so I think I'm going to hold on to him because I think, as I said last time, no one's really going to give you anything for him, so you might as well hold him right now. So Bear with me just a, a second here. I want to look up and see where he's ranked in the third base ranks right now. It's probably not very good. <laughs> An interesting fact I just found on Todd Frazier. He's actually seeing the most pitches per plate appearance of his career this year, and it's not helping him at you all. You know what? That, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I tweeted out something very similar with uh, Jose Bautista earlier in the week. Jose Bautista is actually leading baseball in, in pitches per plate appearance with like 4.55 or something like that. So Frazier's at 4.6. He's right in the same ballpark there, but yeah. I'm not seeing the walks to justify it. That's that's interesting. I wonder if he's just fouled a bunch of pitches off and not being able to make hard contact. We'll have to pull that up. I pulled up Frazier right now in, in third base on ESPN as far as where he's ranked on the player rater. He is 33rd among third basemen. <laughs> Out of how many? Out of, I don't know, the list goes to 50 until oh. the next page. Oh, geez. There's so many other options. I mean, like Travis Shaw, Eugenio Suarez, Jake Lamb, Justin Turner off to a, a weird start, Hernan Perez, Salarte, Castellanos, who has a, a really good uh, batted ball profile. There's just so many options that slumping Frazier that's going to give you one category if he's doing well, and that category seems to be devalued with the amount of home runs that are being hit in a lineup that's probably not going to give him a lot of RBI opportunities or uh, runs. I can't see a, a situation where I'm holding Frazier. I mean, what are you going to do? You're just going to dump him? Yeah. Huh. I think where I invested and in, in where I expect him to be at the end of the year, I think he'll probably end with 30 home runs, give or take. I know that that's very common in today's landscape, but for a third baseman to do that, I think I'm going to probably have to hold on to that for right now. It's interesting. He's only striking out at a 20-22% strikeout rate right now, which you'd anticipate to be much higher with his batting average at 189. So that leads me to believe there's balls in play. It's just not going anywhere finding the holes. Let's put it this way. I have him in the same class as Ryan Schimpf. Ah, They're both low batting average guys. They're both kind of a single category. I think Shimp is probably going to have more home runs. He's got nine on the season. Frazier's got three. They both have an OBP of 294 and 292. They're both on bad bad lineups. You're looking at one season. Last year, he had 40 home runs. 35 the year before and 29 the year before that. It's not like he's never done this before. He had 98 RBIs last year and 89 runs scored. Shimp didn't have anywhere close to either of those numbers. He, he was sick for – he had the flu, so he was out, out of a, several games. And then when he came back, he wasn't playing well. So they put him out again for several more games. I just don't think we've seen the real Todd Frazier at all in 2017 yet. I could see that. I, I guess I just devalue players that are going to give you just home runs when you have middle infielders now that are going to put up 25 to 30 home runs, and he's going to give you maybe 30 this year. To be fair – I think Todd Frazier was at least a three-category guy, maybe three-and-a-half. Uh, last year, he had 89 runs scored, 40 home runs, 98 RBIs, and 15 stolen bases. Yes, he did not help you at all.
all in batting average with 225. But I don't know. I disagree. And, and I think then, that he's somebody that produces more than one category. You know what? You're right. I mean, the steals do really help. That That is 15 steals will make a big difference. He's got three on the season right now. I guess I'm just, there's so many other options at position. So. Oh, I agree. Third base is deep. Definitely bench him, if anything. Yeah, let his uh, let his stats count for your bench this far into the season but i don't think you can get much value out of him right now so it's really just a holding pattern on him all right next up we've got the multi-position eligible trey turner hold him or <laughs> fold him I'm, I, I'm gonna i'm gonna you know pass the baton over to phil and let phil handle this one okay so at the beginning of the year i said trey turner was not a first round pick uh he wasn't a second round pick i was considering him you know maybe a fourth round pick ish right next to jonathan vr both of them have struggled this year and both of them are ranked around the same if you can get someone to buy Trey Turner for full value or what was perceived as full value, I think I would definitely get rid of him. I think even if someone was giving you, let's say, 90% of that value right now, I would probably get rid of him. He's had one good series everything else has been mediocre so far he's provided some stolen bases but like i said everything else has been just meh and just to jump on the you know the the train of i told you so i guess if you want to call it that early in the season one of my bold predictions this year was that gene segura was going to outperform trey turner which is kind of a a two-way thing i I believe in gene segura and i like phil i don't necessarily believe in what trey turner's done a lot of his dominance last year came against sub 500 teams So similar to what he did this year in Coors, where he capitalized on a good opportunity, last year's big stretch where he hit like, you know, 340 or 360, he capitalized on some, you know, subpar teams and and some bad pitchers. So I agree with Phil here. If you can get the value that what you drafted him on draft day, I think you probably pull the trigger on that. I I worry about his power in particular. No t-shirts. No Trey Turner t-shirts around here. I, I'd be holding him. There are more suitable middle infield options at the moment. Really, it would depend on where I drafted him and if that value is worth sitting on my bench or not. No, it's I, I not. I mean, you'd have to look for, if you don't believe in Trey Turner, you drafted him and you're having second thoughts, you're going to look to deal him, but I wouldn't do it right now. I might wait till he has another decent hot stretch and, and see if you can get returned value on him. I don't know what that would be. I guess we can take a look, but there, there's got to be buy low opportunities or opportunities to sell him and get uh, a good return value. Maybe Gene Segura. Maybe. All right, next, Brandon Belt. Are we going to hold him or fold him? I've never really been a Brandon Belt guy. I think just to hit this one real quick, I fold. I'm going to fold as well. Not anything personal against Brandon Belt, but it's kind of a landscape thing for me, just like yeah. we talked about. There's there's Travis Shaw out there, Cody Bellinger. First base is really, really competitive. Eric Hosmer seems to be hitting okay the last few weeks, even though he's probably like my 20th ranked first baseman. Josh Bell is on the rise. There's just so many options out there that it's it's hard to justify you know, buying in on, on Belt. Amen to that. I've, I've never been a Belt guy either, and I didn't quite understand why people were so high on him he, he is good in obp leagues he he's he takes a lot of walks True. um he's a very patient hitter so in in points leagues or obp leagues somewhere where you get uh 
some reward for his patience, that's a league where I think he has some value. That park just just saps power for left-handed hitters, too. Yeah, it does. All right, now we're on to some pitchers who are on the DL. Are you going to hold them while they're on the DL or fold them, trade them, drop them? And let's get to the big names. Let's go Madison Baumgartner. I'll jump in on this one. I actually traded for, for Baumgartner in a, a dynasty league, the main league that we're in. Um, I traded him. I acquired him for... Or Blake Snell, who just got optioned to AAA Durham yesterday. That was a JP steal. Crawford. Well, it's it's kind of a it's a tough deal because Crawford and Snell are both really cheap in that league. They're like three dollars, um, so they're keepable for the next you know ten years at almost no price. And Bumgarner's out for the next two months. But I was very encouraged by some of the the medical news that I had heard on another podcast that AC joint shouldn't really disrupt his throwing motion as long as he doesn't throw until he's fully healed. So kind of a buy low opportunity on on Bumgarner and I'm just kind of hoping if I get six good weeks out of him eight good weeks out of him I'm, I'm pretty happy for each of these guys I'm gonna give you an answer for like keeper dynasty leagues and for season long leagues because there's a huge difference Bumgarner season long league I probably want nothing to do with him because even if he does come back in the in the two month time frame which I'm usually pessimistic about those time frames he's probably not going to perform at the level I mean he just had a major shoulder injury people don't come back from those and just throw bbs you know strikes strike after strike whenever they want to typically it's going to take a little bit of time to get their command back i'm going to probably stay away in a season-long league in a dynasty or a keeper league i would probably use this as a buy low opportunity just like keith did in the exact league that he was just talking about so it kind of depends and like i said in a season-long league i want nothing to do with Bumgarner the rest of the year now kevin gossman are we going to hold or fold on him I think he's a guy that I'm, I'm going to be out on. I wasn't really high on him to begin with, and he has just been getting shelled, so I'm going to take a step back. I actually saw a pretty alarming stat with Gossman when I was doing some numbers the other night, so I'll share the full stat with you if you missed it. The seven least efficient starters uh, for pitches per inning are Trevor Bauer, Wainwright, Danny Salazar, Zach Davies, Kevin Gossman, Jason Hamill, and Ubaldo Jimenez. So so they're throwing more pitches per inning, just like you were saying, Phil. He's ineffective. He's getting hit really hard. He's not fooling any hitters. A couple of the reasons why he could be on this list are the inability to put a guy out. So he's throwing four, five, six pitches per plate appearance because he, he can't fool a guy and get that final third strike, or he's just being ineffective and walking a lot of guys. But either way, you look at this list, you don't want to be on it. So when I saw that he was on there, uh, Salazar actually kind of not surprised me but uh, concerned me because the rest of that list is not good agree it doesn't look good for gossman i i've been dealing with bauer all year so <laughs> i i wouldn't want a second guy like that on my squad right now so bauer's interesting just to jump in real quick so he's the least effective starter out of everybody in the league as far as pitches per inning yeah he's I also noticed. got the highest he's also got the highest k per nine i think i looked yesterday and it was like thir- 13 point something so he's That's got probably the exactly why he's probably well, trying yeah. to strike everybody out yeah, him and Dally, he does. Him, yeah, him and Salazar have the same thing. And Robbie Ray gets put into that mix too because they don't have the ability to pitch to weak contact. And if they can't do that, it's harder for them to go
go deep into games, get you wins. And when they get in trouble and start walking guys and then give up a home run, that's when they get nailed and end up with a, you know, 140 whip for the season. Yeah. Well, a 140 would be nice. <laughs> okay. I mean, maybe Bauer. A, maybe a 180, yeah. Yeah, Bauer is 158 and Gossman's sitting at 174 for whip. Hard pass. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go on to Thor. Noah Syndergaard. Hold him or fold him. I think it's the same thing as what I was just saying a minute ago. For season-long leagues, lat injuries tend to linger. A few years ago, Johnny Cueto had one, and it lingered for a year and a half, two years. I think season-long league, I get rid of him for whatever someone's willing to give me. For dynasty or keeper leagues, I think he's still a guy that I would try to covet. Guy throws probably too hard for his own or for his body, but... At some point, he might be someone that you would want to trade, but lat injury doesn't really concern me long term. I'm gonna sound wishy washy on on that's on okay. Here. That's okay. I've done the same thing on Bumgarner and him already. <laughs> My concern is that it is the lat that that's attached, you know, to the muscles in in his shoulder that affects his rotation. I worry, A, he's on the Mets, which is just never a good thing. If we're going to be nice about Ray Searage and, <laughs> and give everybody that goes to the Pirates a bump because Ray Searage is a genius, That's so we, true. We, have to, we have to start docking the, the Mets pitchers because they don't have a good track record of health with their starters. So I, I'm going to give the Giants a pass here and hope that they're just being smart and trying to keep the media off uh, the situation by extending his timetable out like you know Bumgarner's timetable out like 60 or 90 days that way if he comes back in 45 or, or 60 everybody's excited but I don't trust the Mets the same way that I do the Giants and for that reason I've been recommending in in shallow leagues to absolutely dump Noah Syndergaard not in dynasty obviously that would be insane because he's probably the, right. the fourth the fourth best pitcher when he's when he's healthy but in season just redraft leagues where you have four other guys on your DL and good guys probably Donaldson or, or some other guys that are injured Seth yeah. Is, and maybe you have Bumgarner. I'm prioritizing those three way, way over what Syndergaard is going to do. So I've recommended like four or five times in specific questions the last few days that I would actually dump Noah Syndergaard. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. All right. Two more names here. One's a closer, one's a starter. Cole Hamels. I'm not really a fan of Cole Hamels. A couple of years ago, he was pretty dominant. The last few years, he's been trending downward. He had a lot of walks last year. He scared me. I didn't have any shares of him. And then he hasn't, you know, done the greatest. And then he gets injured. I think any any format, I would try to get rid of him for whatever someone's going to give me at this point. Yeah, his numbers were kind of smoke and mirrors leading up to the injury. And that's, it could be the injury that caused his strikeout rate to, to drop so drastically. Uh, but he had 15 strikeouts on the season in in his five starts and he went deep into a lot of those games so if you look at his lines he didn't have more than five strikeouts a single time before the injury and that could be injury related but I agree Hamels is not somebody when the injury first happened I put him in that same class as like Syndergaard I think the injury is going to be long enough that I could understand somebody dumping him and right now he's 80% owned in, in ESPN so I mean people are still holding on to him but the only those two or three DL spots and everybody that's injured right now it's that it is actually coming off a DL it's hard to justify you know keep him. I agree. I'd be hard pressed to keep him around. I mean, you got all these other pitchers that are also on the DL right now. I'd actually keep our next guy over Hamels on the DL slot, and that's Zach Britton. The only thing about keeping Britton is Brock, number one, has been so good. Uh, I know he had the, the blown save the other day, but he, he's just been dominant for a, a good portion of a year and a half now. The other thing is, is that closers are a dime a dozen. You can get them 
coming in and out, just like I said, Brock. I mean, he's probably a top-ten closer right now just because he has the job. Uh, there's uh, plenty of relievers out there that if they get the job, they just automatically become good. So I don't know. Probably fold uh, Britain as well. Yeah, you got to give Brock the pass on uh, the Nats game. Best offense in baseball. It's not really close. I was looking this morning, and Bryce Harper is is flirting with a 500 on base percentage this deep into the season. It's like it's like 492 or 497 or something like that. So their offense is insane. You got to give him a pass on that. So I agree. He's he's a top 10, top 15, you know, closer if he's in there. All right. Well, that's all for Hold'em or Fold'em. On to the next topic, Keith. You've got some fantasy fill in the blank. All right. So we've been playing a little bit of this on Saturday mornings with you guys. So um, we're going to try and and try some of it on the uh, podcast here. So I have about four or five kind of fill in the blank questions that I'm going to see if we can get us to answer and give you guys some insight on some specific situations. So, all right. The first one is blank is a player available in 50% of leagues that I'm getting excited about because. And so I'll kick it over to Phil. What's uh what's a player that's owned in 50% of leagues that you're getting excited about? Okay, so Yoan Moncada is a player owned in 79% of leagues that I'm getting excited about because of his upside and uh, power speed combo. And I believe that he should be up very, very soon. I like it. All right, so my player... That's owning fifty percent of leagues that I'm getting excited about is Brandon Dreary. Oh, you He's took getting... mine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, probably for the, the same, same reasons path. here. Yeah, he he's getting every day at bats. He was off to a really good start of the season, hitting for average. But the last twelve games, he's really started to slug the ball real well. So his twelve game sample that I pulled up. Um, on Baseball Reference, which is an awesome site if you guys want to check it out. His slug the last 12 games is 674. He's got three home runs, seven RBIs. Um, he has struck out a, a, quite a bit, uh, but he's hitting 348 during that uh, that period, and he just looks really good at the plate. He's really dialed in. So he's a player that the Diamondbacks are committed to giving him everyday second base reps. He's already got over 100 at-bats on the season. They're going to keep running him out there. His defense isn't great, but this is fantasy baseball. So if he starts to hit a couple more home runs, he's got more power potential than I think a lot of the national analysts give him credit for. So Jeremy and I get to see him on a regular basis. He's a guy that that I think if he's available, you could pick him up and, and at least get a couple of really good solid weeks out of him because he looks like he's hot. Yes and no. I, I'm going to break your heart here, Keith, with a little stat breakdown. Drury is someone who has extreme home and away splits. And being his owner, I I pretty much sit him on the road. Because at home, he's got three home runs, 12 RBI, six walks, 437 average, 481 on base percentage. That's pretty good. Slugs at 704. And an OPS of 1185. That's pretty good. Now, when he leaves the confines of Chase Field, he's got zero home runs, two RBI, one walk, a 160 average, a 176 on base percentage, a 200 slug, and a 376 OPS. None of that sounded good. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Not as good as the first ones. No. I hate to kind of break both of your hearts, but what's up with the humidor uh, effect soon on him? Is he a guy that you guys are just going to be getting rid of completely? Drury's what? always been on my trade radar. He's in one of my 
positions with multi-position eligibility to where I can deal him. I can, he can be used as a trade bait or somebody that can finalize a trade for me. But uh, the humidor will have an effect on him. Well, let me let me just share this with you guys since we're we're talking about home away splits. If you look at the next month and a half that the Diamondbacks have, and you're looking to to ride a hot player, they play obviously half of their games at home the next little stretch. But also they have uh, at Milwaukee, which Miller Park is an awesome park. Uh, then they go to Pittsburgh. Miami's, you know, is what it is. They have a stretch against at Colorado, and then they're they're at home. So if you look at the matchups that he has on his schedule, 75% of the games are either at home, at Coors, or at Chase. That's a pretty good-looking stretch for Diamondbacks hitters. Yeah, but, I mean, that's just one stretch. And then he's got to go to Dodger Stadium and San Diego, and then, you know what San I mean? Francisco like, yeah, and... Right, so... Uh, yeah, yeah I, I understand that. By then, you, you've already sold him for a top 10, you know, second baseman, and you're, you're pretty happy, so... I think he's a good pickup right now, especially owning 50% of leagues. And if he continues to hit for power, he's going to be very valuable. All right. The next one we got, if I owned blank, I would be looking to sell high on him and buy low on blank in return. You want me to start off on this one again? Go for it. Please do, because I think we have the same one. If I owned Aaron Judge, I would, I would be looking to sell high on him and buy low on either Tanaka or Verlander. Ooh, I like it. We have the same sell high, but not the same buy low. And it and it's not that I don't believe in Aaron Judge. It's just that this is an unsustainable rate, and some people's eyes are just going to be gaga. At, at that point, if you're going to be able to get a guy that is a top, 10 top 20 starter in this landscape for a guy that you got for next to nothing that's a no-brainer to me all right so mine is i'd be looking to sell high on zach kozart and buy low on jock peterson maybe an unpopular opinion but i look at a lot of the batted ball profile for jock peterson he's like third in exit velocity right now if you look at his pedigree you know i know it's he's you know you can't really say pedigree he's probably 26 or 27 but if you look at what he's he's done in the minor leagues leading up to to what his his last few years in the majors have been, he's a player that I expect to at some point click and really outperform what he's done in the last you know 150 games. I'm encouraged by by what he can do, and I think we may be in a situation where we could see a little bit of a, a turnaround for him. Jeremy, who was your buy low? I would have been buying low on uh, Jose Bautista. Okay, he's a rebound candidate, but he's got an actual profile of actually doing something year long. And if you're going to do that, you're probably running out of time. Oh, yeah. Because I yeah, think, you know, we're, we're recording this on, on Sunday morning. Um, he's already hit three home runs in the past, I think, seven or eight games. You know, we st- shared the stat a few minutes ago about him being the most patient hitter in baseball. So it's only a matter of time before all that patience kind of pays off, hopefully, from seeing all those pitches and it starts to click for him timing and rhythm-wise at the plate. Plus that ballpark. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, last seven days he's got three home runs. It's a move now kind of option. All right, the next one that I have is Blank is one of my favorite sites to go to for player evaluation, and Blank is a stat that I value there. So that one I'll start off. The site that I really like going to is Brooks Baseball. So it's a really neat site that actually tracks the player's velocity, the pitch type, 
archetypes, the outcomes. Um, you can look at specific game logs. One of the things that I like to go to when you see pitchers that are kind of coming out of nowhere that are fringe guys like uh, Kendall Graveman, Senzantella, some other guys that you may not have a book on, go to Brooks Baseball, take a look at some of their velocity. Is their velocity upticking? You know, Jason Vargas, stuff like that. Are they using a different pitch more often that they're getting better results? One of the things that I look at on there that I value is like raw whiff counts or pitch velocity. So it's really good to see, are these guys with this new pitch fooling some of these hitters? So they're getting a lot of swing and miss um, that's going to result in like a change in their, their ERA and their whip. The other thing is, is their velocity upticking? You know, we, we talked about Johnny Cueto a few weeks ago where his velocity dipped from like 93 miles an hour on his first three starts of the season down to 91 or 90 miles an hour. And we were like, man, that's, that's kind of a quick jump or a, or a quick dip. So we told everybody kind of just to wait and see and the next couple starts, he jumped back up. And I think what I had heard from one of the listeners um, was that he was having a little bit of trouble with a blister, like everybody else in the majors, which would explain, you know, a less grip, maybe less velocity on the pitch. But it's a really good site to check out if you want to kind of dig deep into some of those starters. What about you guys? I like to go to Fangraphs and uh, the the Woba if you want to sort by just to see, you know, who is one of the better hitters in the league. That's the set I like to go to. We talked about it last week and encompass is basically everything all into one and average WOBA is is the same as the uh, average on-base percentage. So that's the one my go-to. I use fan graphs every once in a while. They've got some pretty heavy stuff there. For those that are just more interested in the peripheral stuff, baseballsavant.mlb.com. Great for using all of this stat cast info that they keep showing on the TVs and during all the games, all the exit velocities, the barrels, and you can really dig in and see what's what's going on with somebody. Excellent. I like I like both those. The next one jumping forward, this week blank will have the most home runs in baseball with blank so we're kind of predicting that that just for just for this week right just for this week i'm looking for you guys to try and pick out who you think is going to get hot and hit a ton of home runs the next like seven days i think it's a guy that's already hot so i'm going to go with this week miguel sano will have the most home runs in baseball with four that was actually going to be one of my picks so i definitely have to you know support you in that sano is a guy that you know i like to lead baseball in home runs this year i think you know my prediction two or three weeks ago when Judge was going crazy um, and some of these other guys were going crazy is that Snow would lead all of baseball with 44 home runs. So, you know, I definitely like that pick. What about you, Jeremy? I'm looking at a guy that's kind of an oddball pick and uh, Logan Morrison with three. Okay, I like that one. I mean, he's I think he's currently number four so far this year, or he's he's right up there in the American League anyway. All right, so the guy that I picked was Justin Upton to lead baseball in home runs this week with five. Upton is probably the streakiest hitter or one of the streakiest hitters in baseball. He goes up and just goes bonkers for three or four weeks, and then will go two for 72 in his next at-bats. Maybe that's a little drastic, but he's a very, very streaky hitter, and he's got three home runs and 22 at-bats. Um, with an OPS over a thousand, batting 273 with a 727 slug. So something's clicking for him right now in his last seven days. So my guess or my prediction is that Justin Upton will have a uh, a really good power week. Nice. That's it for the fantasy fill in the blank. If you guys want to tweet at us what your fill in the blank answers are, tweet at Fan Front Office. Awesome. Now it's time to dig into the mailbag. We've got some good questions. 
All right. DJ asks, what do you think happens to this Dodgers rotation? You've got Kershaw, Hill, Maida, Urias, McCarthy, Wood, and Ryu. Who ends up staying in the five-man and who gets sent to the pen, designated for assignment, or even sent to the minors? Well, the, the interesting thing that he didn't put on there is who gets placed on the DL for a, you know, fact quad strain or whatever the Dodgers uh, want to come up with. I think a lot of teams are taking advantage of the 10-day DL. We see that with the amount of players that are being injured. And the, the rumor is right now that the Dodgers are really taking advantage of it, especially with this situation with, you know, the starters that they have and, and the health of those guys. So the, the tough one on this is they have a lot of kind of, you have Kershaw at the top, and then you have like four, five, six guys that are like good, I guess. Um, Urias has got a ton of upside, but he hasn't proven yet that he can go deep into ball games. Maeda seems to be pitching better of late. I think, you know, one of the, the Dodgers managers came out and said that actually it was Oral Hershiser on the broadcast came out and said that Maeda's um, late life on his fastball looked to be looked to be back. So I haven't seen that, but it's it's great to hear from uh, you know from from Hershiser. Wood seems like a natural guy to go back in the bullpen, and Hill his hands going to fall off at any minute now. So. <laughs> I don't know. What do you What do you guys make of this mess? I agree. I think one of them is going to hit the DL. It doesn't really matter which one. The, honestly, the best pitchers that I see in that rotation right now, the ones that I would like to at least stick, are going to be Kershaw, Urias, and and Wood. Wood has been amazing since he got promoted from the pen. So I, I just don't understand what's going on with that. Wood and Urias are the two guys that I think they could send down to the minors. They're not going to do anything with McCarthy. So McCarthy and Ryu... Um, DJ suggested that uh, Ryu maybe goes to the bullpen as like a you know a lefty guy in the in the bullpen. So that that's possible. Uh, Ryu is probably the, the odd man out on this list if you were just looking at skill. You know McCarthy hasn't really proven throughout his, his you know his career to stay healthy. So I guess I don't have a really solid answer. I'm just to run through all of them real quick. Kershaw, you know, best pitcher in baseball, not even close. Hill, I don't want to own him in any spots. Maeda should be getting better, encouraged by Urias. But again, until he proves that he doesn't have the the Blake Snell effect where he's going to walk a million guys and never go past four and two-thirds innings, it's it's tough to buy in fully on him. Uh, McCarthy, Wood, and Ryu are all in that kind of same class where it's like, yeah, they could be good. And you're saying Wood's been better, but I think he's probably one of their two or three options to to leave that rotation just because they've done it in the past. Urias right now has a 1.06 ERA, a 1.12 whip, and last game he went 6.1 innings and only had one hit and two walks. So to your point, he did have four walks the two games before that. But, I mean, if this kid can can find the strike zone, and, and I think that's the biggest thing for him to get over that five-inning hurdle i think at that point all right uh, i have an interesting question for you guys since we're on urias who would you rather own the rest of the season jason vargas or urias season or dynasty see just season long league so you have the option to to, to mm. take one of the two and they're on totally different playing fields oh definitely i, th- I think i have to take your right urias yeah uh, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with upside nine times out of ten because I can find a guy like who was who was the other guy? Sorry, Vargas. Jason Vargas, yeah. Okay, I can find a guy like him on waivers nine times out of ten throughout the year. Andrew Triggs, 
pulled him off the waivers. Um, yep. Let me let me let me look at a couple of my teams real quick off the cuff. So, so for me, I picked that because AJ, AJ Griffin, uh, Jesse Hahn, these are guys that I yep. pulled off waivers. You know, Jose Barrios was on waivers a couple of days ago, and I, I figured he'd probably be up at some point. The Twins need a starter. Boom, he comes up, and and yesterday he dominates. So I don't know. I go with upside more than than stability. I do too. I guess in this particular instance. I'm going to go with Jason Vargas because and and I don't even like saying it out loud because I don't I don't believe in in Vargas long term. I don't believe in like the Trevor Cahill's of the world long term, but they're they're pitching really really well right now. And and I trust those guys to go deeper into games and give their their teams or their fantasy teams an opportunity for wins more than I do um you know the Blake Snells of the world or the Urias of the world that are going to pitch four or five innings, walk four or five batters, and, you know, get hit pretty hard. Plus, Urias has two of the probably worst parks to pitch in. You know, you got to go at Coors and, and Chase. I don't know what his schedule looks like, but yeah, it's pretty but tough. Yeah, but we also were talking about he also has three of the better parks to pitch in, which is Padres, uh, Dodgers, and uh, Giants. So, I mean, that, that's true. it, when it, I, kind, of, it kind of outweighs because his home park is Dodgers Stadium. So so what you're saying is you want to do a board bet, Urias oh, versus, Var- versus Vargas. Oh, here we go. Here we is go. That, is, that, is, here, that, is that what happened? Here we go. Uh, well, hold on. Uh, Vargas has only faced really two lineups of consequence so far this year. His first don't, at Don't Houston, talk him out of it. <laughs> and then once <laughs> at Cleveland. Yeah, I, it's tough. I'd ride the hot hand pitching. So you're going to say from this point forward, who's a better pitcher, Vargas or Urias? I honestly was just going to go with season end player Raider because oh, I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take Vargas. All right, let's do that. Right. We'll figure out what it is later. I need another bet because I'm about uh, seven days away from losing my Archie Bradley one. So I need well, a, redem- a redemption bet here pretty soon. I feel like you've already lost that bet because they would have been stretching him out if he was going to be a starter. Well, and, and you know what? Uh, this last game with Zach Godley was a pretty good tipping point for me. If if Godley didn't pitch well, uh, Braden Shipley already didn't pitch well. And there was a pretty good chance they go to Archie there. Well, Godley had an awesome game, and he's earned another start. So I haven't checked recently if the Dimebacks have announced that he's going to be the next starter for that fifth rotation spot. But I would think that he's going to start, and Bradley's going to stay in the pen. So wah, wah. All right, so player Raider end of season. I got Vargas. For, for just a standard five by five, right? Yep. All right. I am marking this down in the board bet book. And we're going to need some suggestions of uh, of how to pay off these bets, guys. So, uh, you know, message us what your suggestions are. Uh, try and be nice because I'm going to have to pay up on the first one. Nothing that's going to be like bodily harm. I'm not like eating 10 jalapenos or whatever, <laughs> ghost peppers or anything like that. Something that's, you know, reasonable. I'm not worried about shame, so you can, you know, shame me as much as you want. I'll do whatever other than, like, bodily harm, so we're good with that. So what he's saying is tweet at the Baseball Jedi all your harmful suggestions and how he can pay off his his bet after Jason Vargas uh, beats up on Urias the rest of the season. We'll see. All right, next question. Best stash for future saves. Pick two, Barraclaw, Conley, Rivero, Bradley, K-Rod, Jay Torres from San Diego, 
Law or Strickland? Honestly, I think if you're only looking for future saves, I think the two easiest on here is Bradley and K-Rod. They're going to give K-Rod the job back eventually because that's just what managers do. And I think Bradley's going to get a crack at the job because Rodney has a 9 ERA. So <laughs> I think that one's pretty easy. Yeah, I actually picked uh, Bearclaw and K-Rod as well for the same exact reason that Phil just mentioned. Um, as sad as it is, if he pitches well in four or five low leverage situations, the next week or so, he probably has an opportunity to get that job back. I don't think he will pitch well in those low leverage opportunities, and I think it's possible that if he has continued struggles, that they actually just DFA him, kind of like what they would do to Rodney if Rodney gets removed from the closer role it's possible they just release him and maybe Washington will pick him up and he can have a 90 area there <laughs> so I, I picked Bearclaw and and K-Rod there's a lot of really good pitchers on that list though like uh Jose Tor- you know Torres um and some of the other guys but I think you know the easiest way to predict future saves is past saves so K-Rod gets a, a little bit of a nod there all right, next up, a friend of the show, Nolan, he asked if he could trade Keuchel for Pineda and Severino in a head-to-head categories league. Man, that is a tough one. What, what are you thinking on it, Keith? Well, I, I believe in what Keuchel is doing. I think he's returned to you know his Cy Young form from, from a few years ago. But I also think Severino and Pineda have a lot of upside, and there's not a lot of starters right now that I trust to be in like that 20 to, to 30 range. And I think you can make an argument for both those guys to be top, like the back end of the top 25 starters right now based on how they're pitching. So you have Keuchel, who's a borderline top 10 guy right now, and then two borderline top 25 guys. So depending upon the landscape of your league, if this is a deep league, I think I might actually make the trade. If it's a shallow league, I'm probably wanting the top guy because the, the options in the waiver wire are you know much more readily available. So you know, Keiko's obviously the best pitcher in that group, and it's not even close. But I think as far as the pitcher landscape goes, if this is a deep league, I take a really close look at, at taking, uh, you know, Pineda and Severino. The friend of the show, Nolan, is actually my cousin, Nolan. And he texted and asked me about this trade uh, specifically. It, I know that it's a 10-team league. And I told him to make the trade. And the reason I told him to make the trade is I know there's not really much pitching on the waivers, um, even, if, even with it being a 10-team league. And also because I view Pineda and Severino, as you said, as maybe top 25 guys. But I also view both of them as a chance to maybe crack the top 15. So Kikul, like you said, maybe top 10, maybe top 20, 15 at, you know, worst kind of thing probably. Uh, But I just think that if you get the strikeouts that Pineda and Severino provide over, you know, the ones that Kiko provides, you know, I, I, I told him to take the trade. I just think that some regression is coming. I think Pineda and Severino are going to end up just with better stats combined. So I got two stats I can kind of share to, to support both arguments, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. So Keiko, this was a couple of days ago, but Keiko's induced more ground balls this season than he has surrendered runs. So he's got 12 ground balls. Again, this is stats like two or three days old, but he's got 12 ground or double play balls on the season and he's only surrendered 11 runs that's a pretty good stat that, that he's a he's a weak contact guy but he also you know has a better k per nine this year like mid sevens i think so you'll you'll definitely live with that with the ground ball rate yeah mid sevens is, is 
is pretty is phenomenal. It, actually, is, is incredible. Yeah. So on the on the other side, on the Pineda side, the thing that actually started swaying me over to him um, is I was running some numbers a couple days ago, and I looked at the strikeouts minus walks leaders in baseball. And so this is taking a player's strikeouts, subtracting how many walks they have, and to see how positive they are on the season. The leader in that stat is Chris Sale, which is no surprise, at a positive 62. <laughs> which is insane. The next closest guy is Scherzer with a positive 49, and then it's Kershaw with a positive 46. And then fifth on that list with a positive 44 is Michael Pineda. The rest of that list rounds out Chris Archer, DeGrom, and Grinke. That's a really good class of pitchers to be in. Very true. Yeah, yeah I think I think Pineda's problem is, is I think concentration issues sometimes. I think he just grooves a pitch whenever he's just not focused, and, and it just ends up over the seeds. Yeah, or if he runs out of pine tar in his neck, that kind of hurts too. Yeah, he, I, I think he, I think he puts it on the back of his neck now because if you see him at, like after every pitch, he, he touches the back of his hair and goes down the back of his neck. So yeah. <laughs> just watch him pitch. And smoke. <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where it's at. Yeah, oh. not on the, not on the side where it's just oozing out. Yeah. Anyways, I think I think we beat that one to death. Yep. Last question here out of the mailbag. What is up with Jake Arietta? Are we concerned about his 535 ERA and 147 whip? I think Keith would be able to tell you a lot about this being on Brooks baseball, but isn't his miles per hour down? Uh, I think like two his pitches down like two miles per hour this year, and then he's just not as as laser sharp as he has been in the past. He's always been effectively wild, uh, as they say. But it just seems like he just doesn't have the bite on his pitches and the the decrease in velocity. And he's getting him shelled right now. What do you think, and, Keith? And I'll pull it up here um, and look at what his velocity's been. The thing that you have to worry about is how many innings he's pitched in the last two seasons. So deep postseason runs, he's thrown a, a lot of innings. All right, so I'm looking at the the velocity right now on his four seam, and it is it's down. In 2017, you're you're spot on. It's down. Wow, almost two and a half miles an hour. Yeah. So I. I encourage you guys check out brooksbaseball.net and you can look at uh, Jake Arietta and, and look right there his fastball velocity in the last you know few months of 2016 was about uh, 94 to 96 and in the first few months now it's 91 to 93 and he's starting to enter that dangerous territory we talked about it a little bit with Cueto is that 91 and a half mile an hour range is where pitchers really start to get hit hard also looking at baseball savant it looks his average launch angle on balls hit off of him is really in that dangerous zone you're looking most of them are in the 15 to 20 range. So what that tells me is hitters are barreling up his yeah. his pitches. They're either catching up to him based on the, the lack in velocity or he's not getting the, the pitch movement that he used to, which could come from a drop in velocity. I'm concerned. To answer the question, I'm pretty concerned. I still want Jake Arietta for no other reason than I think the top 15 to 20 range in starting pitchers, which he's, he's in that range for sure. He was probably a top five or eight pitcher coming into the season. So now he's probably a 12 or 15 based on his performance but I still want as many of those guys as I can get so if you have a you know a Cardinals fan that somehow drafted Jake Arrieta and hates the Cubs and Arietta's performance try and buy low on him I guess I mean like I would buy super low I guess I mean I was just gonna say I mean low is the emphasis on there yes I'm a Cardinals fan but I'm also not stupid if someone was offering me <laughs> Jake Arietta for like I don't know Alex Cobb probably gonna take that deal you know I don't hate all cubs i hate hate the cubs in general you know the the team itself not each individual player 
We just um, lost like seven Cubs listeners. The, 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 the stats, the stats. Well, the count. seven we had. <laughs> but yeah, the stats still count for fantasy baseball. So don't exclude yourself if you hate a team. That's one thing I will uh, give you advice on. That's going to do it for the mailbag. On to the third and final topic. Fill with your favorite types of fantasy leagues. You know, we're going to talk about different league types, which ones are favorite league, a little quirks of uh, the different league and maybe some strategy for each league. Um, so Jeremy, what kind of league do you prefer to play in and why? I, I'm kind of torn. I like the single season just due to the fact that, you know, if you screwed something up the year before, you can kind of clean slate it the next year. But Dynasty is also fun because there's so many different strategies going in throughout the season that it really gives a different perspective on how to go about doing business. But do you prefer the the Roto, uh, head-to-head categories, head-to-head points? Kind of the Roto leagues. Yeah, those you just can kind of set and forget most of the time as long as you're semi-paying attention to waivers and things like that. What about you Keith so I've played Roto for a long 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 time so I'm one of those people that they complain about the traditionalist in in fantasy baseball I like Roto but I understand why certain people don't like it if you have a Roto league especially a season-long league where somebody gets off to an awesome start or somebody gets off to a terrible start and they're in eighth ninth tenth twelfth place they're just not going to pay attention anymore so I prefer to, to play in leagues that keeps guys engaged and, and motivated to play so I like playing in dynasty leagues leagues. I do like Dynasty Roto. And then I also look for kind of creative ways to keep guys involved. So in a Dynasty League, even if you're out of it, you can still make trades to set yourself up for the future. Also, I try and I play in, you know, no money leagues and I play in a few money leagues, you know, no big money, but just enough to kind of keep guys motivated where if they're in like sixth, seventh place, they want to keep kind of going to see if they can get in in third and fourth place. In our league, we did something kind of uh, new where we penalized the 10th place team to actually pay the fourth place winner. So, so that way... You, so you penalized me, is what you're saying. So what I'm saying is, in all fairness, Phil, Phil joined this league in the second year of our our dynasty, or third year of our dynasty. Ten minutes before the draft. Ten minutes before the draft. He didn't like his team, so he's kind of in sell mode. But he's also going to pay an extra 45 bucks or something like that to the fourth place team. 35. Okay, there you go. To motivate two things, the guys in like fifth, sixth, seventh place to try and get to fourth place, and then also to try and motivate the guys at the bottom, you know, the eighth, ninth, tenth place guys to not fall behind Phil, which is probably not possible. But... Yeah, I, I want to play in a league where I can. I, I know a lot of the guys. I know they're big baseball guys, and and I know they're going to take it pretty seriously. So I, I like a competitive league where everybody's kind of engaged and, and active. So, yes, I am going to be last place easily. That sucks. Also but, probably going to be like first or second place next year because – Right. Yeah, a couple of those prospects come up this year, and I'm, I'm going to be in it. But, yeah, that'll be awesome. The, the leagues that I actually prefer to play in typically are going to be uh, keeper leagues uh, first just because I – I like to kind of build a team and and see where it goes from there. If you mess up, you know, like Jeremy was saying, it's something where you can press the reset button like I did this year and and sell off every bit of what you have and start over from what you want. So I like that uh, aspect of it. And I also uh, typically prefer to play head-to-head categories leagues. 
I just like the strategy of week to week, you have to do this and, oh, you want to play. And I like the daily transaction ones where you can switch guys out each day. So you need some stolen bases for the end of the week and you got a guy on your bench, you can swap him back in. That's the way that I typically like to go. There's different quirks that are in each different league type. For instance, head-to-head points leagues are always going to be starting pitching heavy valued. And then also started pitching that have relief pitching eligibility are going to have high value. And then head that walk a lot and that also don't strike out a lot. And then again, guys that get stolen bases but don't get outs uh, caught stealing. And then a lot of streaming is going to happen if you're in a weekly league where the, the lineups are locked for two-star pitchers for those weeks. One thing with the category leagues, if my personal strategy is to try to not find guys that are, are streaky uh, and, and try to typically go starting pitching heavy and also with a lot of power. The power is, is typically consistent. If you have the entire team that is power heavy, then you're going to win most of your categories each week. And then as you were talking about earlier, the Roto Leagues, I prefer just a balanced team. You're going to want something where you don't want to like leave anything. I, I You can't punt any category, in my opinion, in a Roto League, but in categories leagues, like I don't typically invest in relief pitching anymore. So You know, I, I made the move from like a batting average league to an on-base percentage league about three years ago, and I love it. Uh, I, I was hesitant at first, and you know, because I had done batting average for so long, but it really forces you to kind of look at baseball from a different perspective. So guys like Joey Votto and, and other guys that have great on-base percentages. So I would recommend you know taking a stab at an on-base percentage league in, in the future if, if you're looking to, to make a change in, in something. And and also one quirk as far as the drafting is concerned is auction versus an actual draft. This was my first year. Of- doing an auction and it was by far the coolest thing that I've ever done for fantasy baseball. You can get whoever you want, especially if you're going to do like a dynasty, something like that. First year, that's probably the coolest thing you can do to start off with. So I, I highly recommend something like that too. Yeah, auctions are a lot of fun. We were trying to keep the episode short. I, for one last thing I want to throw in there is just kind of your one or two most favorite baseball moments of all time. So Jeremy, let's start off with you. Alright, my moment would have to be, I believe, 2011 Goldschmidt had just barely been called up to the majors, played a few months with the D-backs, and I was able to get tickets and go to the NLDS, I believe, against the Brewers. And in that game, Goldschmidt ended up hitting a grand slam. But yeah, that was one of the big memories that kind of sticks out to me. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. What about you, Keith? All right, so I got two, I guess. One was I had an inside-the-park home run when I was like 11 years old as a part of the Phillies. Go Phillies. So that was a pretty cool baseball moment for me. But in all seriousness, the Diamondbacks World Series in 2001, I was lucky enough to get tickets. And that's a, that's a story in its own uh, of how tough it was to get tickets. Just the atmosphere in that stadium during that game is immeasurable. It's as a sports fan, it's just it's something that you'll always remember. It was a really cool game. I was with my my brother and my dad. We spent uh, like $140 on parking and parked like, you know, 6 miles away, but <laughs> it was it was awesome. You know, Diamondbacks uh, you know, World Series 2001. So, that's one of the coolest things for sure cuz I I've been to a couple of playoff games, World Series games here in St. Louis. 
the one that I actually had number one on my list, I have two different ones, is I was actually at game six uh, when Jim Edmonds in 2004 hit the walk-off home run against the Astros nice. to send it to game seven. It was in like the 13th inning or something crazy like that. And it was, it, every time I see a replay of it, it literally sends chills down my spine uh, every time. So it was one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. And then the second thing, uh, which some people might actually flip-flop these two, would be catching a home run derby ball when the home run derby was in St. Louis. Um, oh, that's awesome. Carlos Pena's third home run in the first round uh, bounced right off a guy's hand that had a glove and it was going right to him. And I was like, man, I was going to dive over, you know, a bunch of people. There was like three, four, maybe five people away from me. I told people for months that I was going to catch a home run derby ball. I said, I'm going to the game and I'm going to catch a home run derby, home run derby ball at the derby. And it bounced right off the guy's hand and just took a, took a 90 degree angle right towards me and went right into my hand and I looked at my mom and the the camera focuses in on the guy that misses it and I I just low-key walk over to my mom and pull it out from underneath my glove and I show it to her and she goes no you didn't and it was it was was the coolest thing so yeah that's awesome you you still have the ball oh yeah absolutely I've been trying to get Carlos Pena to sign it for years I've been tweeting at MLB Network at, at all the different ways if anyone has ideas out there on how for me to get a hold of Carlos Pena for him to sign that ball I would be eternally grateful oh boy all right well guys great episode and we'll anticipate the return of Todd off the DL next week uh where can the people find you I am at the baseball Jedi and writing some things over for the line score been slacking a little bit this week didn't get rankings over there but I have them finished I just got to get them emailed over so I'm gonna get on that this weekend happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there by the way all right and then I am at fantasy underscore Keith and keep sending in all those questions for us guys we really want them all right and just wanted to give a few shout outs these are a few of the guys that have sent us in some feedback on the show and we are grateful for that dj joe d's rings uh cory <laughs> isaac and cardinal fan 73 thank you for your review on itunes just wanted to echo phil here and wishing all the mothers out there a happy mother's day I have been Front Office Jer, and make sure to tweet us at Fan Front Office. And again, for this week, we have been the Fantasy Front Office. <laughs>